Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, a piece-by-piece, episode-by-episode exploration of the winners of the Pulitzer Prize in Music, with hosts Andrew Grenade and David Thurmeyer. Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, episode 39, where we're traveling back to 1981 and what should have been the 36th winner of the Pulitzer Prize in Music, which this year goes to no one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, <laughs> we're back to this again. Yeah, last time we had this was 1965. The music jury said, you know, we should give this Lifetime Achievement Award to Duke Ellington. And the Pulitzer board said, I don't think so, <laughs> and caused a huge hubbub that we've uh, chronicled in our 1965 episode and have really seen as a turning point in the history of the Pulitzer Prize. We'll see if 1981 is a similar turning point in the history of the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, it might be. Uh, it, it's interesting because we do have a jury report, uh, although they're interestingly vague here, and there's a, a little bit purposefully of a contra- vague. purposefully vague, perhaps, and a, some controversy. So here's the report. Two members of the 1981 Pulitzer Prize nominating committee in music take the viewpoint that there is no one piece that they will recommend for this major award. Wait, there are three members of the board. Correct. So two said no. Two said no. A positive note from the chairman is therefore outbalanced by these two negative votes. It is with distress noted that an unusually small number of Pulitzer stature works were Mm. premiered in this year's prize period. So, who were the three? That's what I really want to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, one is a familiar name. The other, and actually, two are familiar, and one is not to me. Lester Trimble, oh, composer, sure. Juilliard faculty was the mm-hmm. chair. Donald Heenahan. Oh, of course, we're yes. starting to get critics on the board. Getting if you've critics. Seen that move? Yep. And then former winner Donald Martino oh, was okay. the third member of the jury. So they don't even list how many entrants there were. They don't have much to say at all, and nothing was worthy of a prize, so they gave it a no award. So Lester Trimble is the chair from Juilliard, but someone yes. that we haven't talked about as being part of the whole no. kind of the inside, the old boys club that no. we've seen been awarding so much. Not really a part of that club. No, so that's a new name to the jury, uh, and what a way to have your first jury. Yeah, fascinating <laughs> that he was the chair as opposed to putting Donald Martino, who would you would think yes. as a previous winner would easily slot into that chair role, but then would also have said no. So that wouldn't have changed yeah. things at all. Yeah. So so we have nothing to report. And so as we do, as we've done in the, the past with these no awards, mm-hmm. we've looked in to see what other pieces might have been awarded. And Andrew put together a, a list here, and I added a couple at the bottom, of course. I, oh, I'm not surprised <laughs> at, at what you added. Uh, well, first, we just talk about the pieces that might have been. Yes. That looking back, you know, yeah. 40 years on, what pieces might have been. And this is the beginning of the, the kind of rise of John Adams. So mm-hmm. Harmonium was finished in early 1981, which would have been within the prize oh, window. Yeah. So to me, that's the obvious piece that I would have loved to have seen mentioned. But also John Cage's Litany for the Whale. Hmm. That's a piece pretty well performed today. Yeah. Uh, Carter's Night Fantasies, which you know yes. very well. Yes. Um, but Bernstein is still composing Divertiment of Orchestra. There's someone who's in the old boys club who never True. won. It would have made sense for him to be awarded. Uh, and then I put this really interesting because uh, we're going to see some more influences from jazz and from mm. more experimental music. But I put uh, Muel Richard Abrams' Ancient and Future Reflections, which I thought would also have maybe made an interesting kind of conversation mm-hmm. for the Pulitzer board. 
But I see that you went outside the classical world and you went, hmm, well, Dave likes <laughs> the Beatles. So what were the Beatles doing at this point? Well, you put Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen's The River on there too. I did. I put that on there for you. So uh, Yes. So then I had to add, uh, well, Paul McCartney's McCartney 2. Uh, and then this was a very bad year in Beatle history because that was the year John Lennon was right. shot. So but his last album with Yoko was Double Fantasy. So that was Did also... Do you really think that's Pulitzer worthy? Uh, <laughs> no, actually not that album. I don't think so. I mean, so. Springsteen's The River. Come on. It is a pretty great album. That's a pretty yes. great Springsteen album. It is. So uh, true. I'll, I'll take that. I, <laughs> I just had to... Yeah. You had to put Lennon and McCartney. had to put Lennon McCartney on there. Because why not? It's open. Yes. But that's... that. Yeah, it's... it's. Do you think... I mean, if you were... Lester Trimble, do any of those pieces? I would love to know what was actually considered at this time. Because looking back at 1980, I mean, these are some interesting works, but none of them, even looking back at the list that we just mentioned that I kind of put together, still none of them stand up as these are monumental works in American musical history. It's just these are some people I think should should have some kind of recognition. I mean, why Cage, right, never won a Pulitzer? Why Bernstein never won a Pulitzer? Uh, Carter, of course, has won several, mm-hmm. but <laughs> and Bernie Adams, also ran. Adams will win later. Will on. win later, but this is kind of the beginning of his recognition, I think, nationally. And that's, yeah, Harmonial Era is kind of the first really big piece. I mean, there were the Phrygian Gates, some of the other, or Shaker Loops. Shaker Loops is probably the first one, yeah. Yeah, there were a few before that, but this is like the first weighty, big right. weighty piece. And that, they tend to, I mean, we've seen, they tend to like big orchestral works. Yeah, yeah. Um, which speaks against night fantasies, but... <laughs> true, true, a huge piano piece, right. Well, that actually is a great segue because we, you know, we're basically out of material for this episode <laughs> now because there's nothing else to talk about. Because so, it wasn't a pivotal year. Yeah. There, there wasn't a scandal. All the no. other years that we've talked about have been a scandal, and this seems to have just kind of slid under the radar. It's like, oh, well, we're just not awarding one, but it's also the last time this happens. That's right, that's right. And like you said, it would be fascinating to know that there were two votes for something, uh, but we don't. We'll never know what it was. Probably that, or there were two notes. Two. I'm sorry. There, there was one vote for. There was at least a piece that Lester Trimble yes. thought that's worthy of the Pulitzer. But Donald Hinehan and Donald Martino said, said no, absolutely not. So I wonder what that piece was. And we've seen that the the main board, the main Pulitzer board, which actually makes the awards, like yeah. the music jury is just making recommendations. They didn't look at this and go, well, Lester Trimble will <laughs> agree with you. They actually agreed that, no, we're not going to give one, which we've seen they don't always agree mm-hmm. with what the music jury is giving them. So actually pretty remarkable that it is so quiet this year, that there isn't a big, huge change. Yeah, or that there was any discussion about it or scandal. Or and the next year we'll see they just basically keep going like they were. They give the award to an also ran in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, someone who's already been awarded by the Pulitzer, just not with an actual prize. There's your teaser for There's our next teaser. episode. Well, we thought since we're now about 40 years into the award, this might be a good time to have a few minutes of reflection and some predictions because we're, you know, 19, we're in the 80s now and we started in 1943. So, I just wrote down a couple of questions that I, I'm interested in your opinion and your thoughts on. Uh, in what ways would you say have the winners and Pulitzer Prizes, uh, winners and pieces of the Pulitzer Prize changed hmm. since since William we started Schumann. way back with William Schumann in 1943? Yeah, and we talked about William Schumann being this great establishment choice. Yeah, and really, that's kind of the first 20 years. Yeah, 
up until the early 60s, it was just establishment choice after establishment, establishment choice. You know, it's we've talked about sometimes it's like, hey, you know, it's Elliot Carter's turn. Yeah. They just kind of pass the award around with the kind of very small circle of composers in the New England Ivy League kind of circuit. Uh, and there weren't very many who were outside that circuit who won until we get into the 1960s. And that's kind of the shift. And we, we talk about the 65, <laughs> the Pulitzer pivot, as yeah. we call it. But after that point, you begin to get really more interesting, I think, composers who are outside the box in many ways. So instead of, let's do a lot of opera. There are all these operas in the 1950s. And then right. when was the last time we had a great opera? Right? They, they move away from that. We still have big orchestral works, but... We're also beginning to have electronic works and works that are bringing in different musical styles and that are celebrating uh, pieces and styles and even instruments that weren't celebrating. I'm thinking of something like Deja Vu, focusing oh, yeah. on the percussion, right? We have these pieces that are pushing the boundaries a little bit. Now, they're pushing the boundaries of the Pulitzer. They're not pushing the boundaries of what music was doing at the time. If they had been awarded, those type of pieces had been rewarded in the 1940s, they would have been pushing oh, the yeah. boundaries. But in the 1960s and 70s, even the pieces that win are not really boundary pushers. Mm -hmm. They're uh, they're winning electronic music awards ten years after the electronic music had really become a thing. So they're still lagging behind, I think, a little bit. But one thing that I think we've seen is an opening to other composers and other types of pieces. Mm -hmm. How about what about you? What have you seen different in this time? Uh, I think I would agree largely with that. I think in some ways. The, uh, the 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 process is still similar because now we're, we see students of former winners mm -hmm. uh, it, that's been a constant that so that we keep seeing lots of names come back yeah recurring. we don't have Chalmers Clifton anymore no. <laughs> but but we do see similar names keep recurring yeah yeah definitely uh, but I, I I think for me thinking back to when we first had maybe Leslie Bassett or one of those other or uh, even John LaMontagne someone mm -hmm. who's not in the east they may have studied there but they were based somewhere else I think broadening out just the geographical mm -hmm. and having a full-time composer is maybe not at a university. Right. And it was also, so these kind of knocks in the, the glass ceiling as it were, uh, started to happen. And, and then certainly the music has diversified mm -hmm. in its focus. It's not the hard edge modernist types anymore, uh, especially in the last few years that we've been looking at. Yeah. New romanticism has begun to kind of creep into yes. the world that we're hearing in the Pulitzer. Yeah, definitely. So then with that in mind, have all of the winners in our this is episode 39 now not all of those had winners so 30 something winners have they adhered to the founding spirit and definition of the award and do you want to read us the yeah so this is the inaugural brief 1943 mm -hmm. go back to our first episode yeah but when they established the award they said it was for a distinguished musical composition by any american in any of the larger forms including chamber orchestral choral opera song dance or other forms of musical theater which has had its first performance in the United States during the year. So larger forms, which we've definitely seen. Oh, yeah. Um, chamber, orchestral, choral, opera, song, dance. I mean, we've seen all, most of those represented uh, over the course. So I think that the winners, for the most part, have adhered to the founding spirit. But I think that there is a change when we get into the, the late 60s and those electronic pieces that are beginning to win. I think about something like Synchronisms Number no. 6, which oh, yeah. Davidovsky, you know I love, performed yeah, yeah. that piece. But it's really not one of the larger forms. It's a little over 10-minute piano work with electronic sounds that's not adhering to this brief in hmm. the same way because it's not 
this huge piece, monumental piece, which seems to be what they were originally trying to do. And if you think back to that Schumann piece that oh, won, yeah. <laughs> that was monumental <laughs> chorus and yes. orchestra, very pro rah 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 yeah, United yeah. States. Uh, that kind of award isn't given, I think, anymore. Well, I'm I'm curious what they you know, larger forms because we've had and they say chamber, but we've had string quartets. Or is that considered a large form, or are we thinking formally? Uh, that like that is that a chamber music as a genre or mm. a large piece it has to be a significant piece. Well, and the or... ones that have won have been absolutely big pieces. That's right. That's right. Those Carter string quartets oh, are yeah. weighty, huge. And the Leon Kirchner one. You could with... bench press those yeah. <laughs> string quartets. There's so much. Yeah, and yeah. the Kirchner. Same yeah, thing. or Husa. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were weighty yeah. pieces for string quartet, even though it's only four people. Uh, the one that really strikes me is musical theater mm-hmm. and what they meant by that. Because I, I, when we started the podcast, I don't know if we ever really talked about, you know, would Oklahoma or like that's musical theater. Because the closest we've had, I think, are the Minotti operas that were performed on Broadway, mm-hmm. but we've not had a musical theater and musical theater tends to be recognized in the drama awards right instead of in the music awards except for oklahoma which was yes. given a special prize yeah that's right it was one of those special citations like scott joplin got or any of these type of mm-hmm. uh, special awards that they're able to give so you're right they haven't focused on musical theater it's almost as if they go well that's not really music so we'll let the drama side recognize that aspect of musical uh, musical production and we'll focus on opera. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I think in a, in a way they have focused, I mean, I think it, they're still in this, you know, under the aegis of this uh, yeah. brief, but within that there's been some changes. And when was the last time we had a choral piece win? It's been a long time. Yeah, choral or opera, like you said. We had song, we had the Argento. But orchestral song. Yeah, right. So we haven't had a lot of choral, but we have had orchestral song like the Del Tredici. So again, oh, and Richard Wernick, the Richard Wernick, yeah. yeah. So these big pieces, yeah. That still, even if they're going to have solo solo voice, they're going to have an orchestra behind them as opposed to a lead. Yeah, that's a great point. So now we've, you've already alluded to this a little bit, mm-hmm. but based on the past decade of winners, what trends do you foresee happening in the next decade? So what's going to happen into the '80s and? into the early 90s. I think they're just going to continue to diversify. I think it's going to be slow. Yeah, yeah. The, the Pulitzer moves very slowly. But I think that we're, what we're going to see is a diversification of the people who win and the styles that win. So I think we're going to start seeing uh, a growth of, I mean, eventually, and we have, we've alluded to this before, we talked about the 1965 snub <laughs> of Duke Ellington, <laughs> yeah. but eventually jazz is going to crack the ceiling. Mm-hmm. It, it's got to. There's been too many conversations about it and too many pieces that nudge up on jazz at this point in history that it's going to win. Um, musical theater, I think it's never going to win, but I think, <laughs> we're, I think we'll see some more choral pieces mm-hmm. and probably a pullback from all the orchestral pieces uh, to make way for all these other genres. I think that there's going to be a pendulum swing back that way. Well, this is going to be a bit of a preview because you and I are giving a paper at the Society for American Music Conference uh, in March about the Pulitzer pivot, mm-hmm. but you, you saying that right now just made me think they were trying to recognize jazz in 1965. So either you look at it two ways, either they're being very progressive that they were trying to recognize and Duke Ellington at the time, or you look at it and say, 
well, they just, ooh, it was too soon. Couldn't, couldn't do that. We need to hold back on that. Well, I think the, the jury wanted to do it. Yeah. I think the, the board, and probably goes back to this brief that we just read, mm. and they read that and they went, well, distinguished musical composition by an American in the larger forms, chamber, orchestral, choral, opera, song, dance, musical theater, jazz is not listed there. Now, I would argue that, of course, jazz falls under chamber. I mean, yes. And, he, and Duke Ellington does. wrote big suites and. He wrote orchestral suites. Yes. I mean, Duke Ellington, it was a completely boneheaded move not yeah. to award that to Duke Ellington. He fits this brief, but I think just in terms of the way the Pulitzer board was looking at it, they thought, eh, this right. is not really for jazz. Right, right. So we will have to wait as we, you know, till a few more years to get jazz, but it's, it is knocking on the door. And so I think because of that, these little tidbits we've seen, these little breadcrumbs that were leading to uh, a time in which there's going to be an expansion of the types of music that's going to be recognized by the Pulitzer Board. Yeah, and that kind of leads me to my last question about what has surprised you about the selection process, winners or pieces chosen so far? I mean, I knew it would probably be an old boys club. I didn't know (laughs) how bad it would be. That's really, I think, the most Mm eye-opening, that it really was, it's almost like a back room. (laughs) It's like you they're sitting around the smoking. they're sitting around the poker table and they're like, "Who wants the Pulitzer this year?" Yeah, and that, I mean that's how it feels, and yeah. that kind of shocked me because, of course, we look at music and it's always it's a meritocracy. Well, <laughs> oftentimes, and many of these winners probably shouldn't have won. That yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look back at the the ones that we've said are complete misses, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot that we've just said are complete misses. Now there have been some gems that we found that. We've been like, why is this not like the Hanson Symphony? Why oh, is yeah, that, that piece not piece. performed more? Yeah. Right. We we found those types of pieces, um, but for the most part, the track record has not been good for the Pulitzer. No, it hasn't. That that's so. It it goes. Maybe Charles Ives is common about uh, <laughs> prizes are for boys, or they don't matter much. Essentially, right. is what he's saying because the pe- best pieces or best composers may not always win. And we have seen that definitely, and in some of our discussions about what the composers said. Mm-hmm when they were interviewed about how the Pulitzer affected them, they said it was either a blessing or a curse. Well, and many of them said, well, it's the first line of my obit. Like, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's about all it got me. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't really, you know, we, we ascribe these, that's such a big deal mm-hmm. to win sometimes, but maybe it's not necessarily. And it also depends when the composer is in their career. And, that's exactly right. Yeah. How, how established they are, because we have seen that some of these are basically career awards as opposed to really individual piece awards. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing is we tend to look, if you look on the website, you just see winners. Mm -hmm. You don't see the process behind it. And while there is what you said, definitely the old boys, the the student or the teacher wins, the student wins, Mm -hmm. then it's on the jury and all of that. We've also seen a gradual uh, diversifying in a lot of ways too. We've had black jurors mm-hmm. on way back in the seventies, women jurors. Uh, we only now we're getting at, critics. Yeah. Critics, not you, just composers, right. From different lines of work, uh, businessmen, you know, different kinds of people. So the, the process is much more inclusive than just looking at a winner tells you. Well, and now we got to the point in history where they're actually telling you who are the runners up. Those yeah, are actually published. Yes. So it's not, Hi, shrouded in secrecy as much, they're beginning to kind of 
see more transparency, which I, I have to assume is just going to increase uh-huh. uh, as we move through history. But right, we don't have Chalmers Clifton and his iron grip no. on the Pulitzer, the same person <laughs> chairing the jury year after year after year after year. No. That's gone by now. Mm-hmm. So I think in a way that that's good, uh, certainly good. You get to see the evolving mm-hmm. of the award and you know where it is now. We'll have to, you know, and when we get get to our last few, you, I know you and I are going to have some spirited debates about whether it's in the right direction or whether certain things should have been that inclusive, maybe. Uh, but I'm glad to see learning the process, and I hope uh, listening to the podcast and hearing the behind-the-scenes, sometimes scandals. We thought, Remember, uh, Ned Roram wasn't supposed to win. He wasn't. It was supposed to be Druckmann again. Yeah. Uh, to, hearing these things, are it's really fascinating. You get to see how the sausage is made. Yeah. And sometimes it's not... It's not pretty. Not pretty. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, other uh, reflections or thoughts here after this time? So the thing that interests me is where we are in history is that we're starting to get to living composers. Yes. And so just kind of a preview, uh-huh. but we're beginning to reach out to those composers who are still living and who will talk to us. And so as we get to those those episodes, we're trying to start to release bonus episodes of interviews that we're having with those composers so you can hear directly from them what the Pulitzer meant to them about how they thought about the piece. And we'll incorporate that, of course, in our our main episodes, but it'll be exciting to kind of get to talk to those composers and see from the horse's mouth as it was, <laughs> what it was like to actually win the Pulitzer. Like, where did they find out and how has it shaped their career? We don't have to rely on pre-existing interviews like we have to this point because most of the composers have passed on. We're getting to that interesting point, I think, in history. Yes, definitely. And the point where we, you and I, also grew up and were aware of what was happening is in the music world and seeing how things have changed. The role of classical music mm-hmm. in America has, I would say now it's very much peripheral yeah. and it was not back when this award started. Everybody knew Appalachian Spring. Everybody knew these certain uh, Minotti, Amal and the Night Visitors mm-hmm. is performed every year. Still, Well, that is, still is. But a lot of these composers were more known. They were on TV or Leonard Bernstein showed them or talked about them. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's really different. So I wonder if when we have the interviews with the composers, if that's going to come up at all, just seeing I'm just doing my thing and I'm supported by this group or not that group or I don't know. I think just the, the mechanism yeah. might change. Well, I think it will be a little more personal for both of us because – yeah. We'll have stronger opinions, I think, as we move on <laughs> into music that we've had personal relationships with, as opposed to, you know, the 40s and the 50s in many ways, except for Charles E. Ives. Yeah. I'll give that to you, <laughs> our longest episode to date. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> but I think that that's uh, going to change because it won't be as academic as it was for us in the 40s and the 50s as we move into the 90s and the, the aughts and on oh. into the present day. That's a great point because we're not, you, know, you teach, you, know, you teach a class on present-day music post-World uh, War II, but there's not the research. We haven't done the scholarship as much as we've done for some of the older composers because there's just not enough out mm-hmm. there, and that's why we're trying to reach out to talk to the composers. Yeah. So, yeah, so our, maybe our methods will change as well. Well, that's it for this episode of Hearing the Pulitzers. As always, you can find more about this project at our website, hearingthepulitzers.com where you'll usually find a bibliography related to the winning composer, but not this week. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, if it survives, at HPulitzers for links between episodes, and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help people find the show. 
Finally, join us next episode. We'll discuss a composer who already won a special citation and then in 1982, finally won a Pulitzer Prize, Roger Sessions, for his concerto for orchestra. Which Andrew called and also ran. He, well, at this yeah. point, I think in career, <laughs> I, think so. I think that will be borne out next time. Yes. But until then, keep listening. Keep listening.